Today we come to celebrate our Lord and Savior, to have hope in a world that seems to be going crazy. For instance, look what I have. I have a mask. I have a mask that I now can wear around. And we, many of us, are now wearing masks. It's a new day. We don't know what next week holds. We hope that things will be different, but who knows? Today we're going to get into the Word of God and look at the hope we have. You can go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 if you'd like to follow along today. The smell of death it permeated the air. The sound of dashed dreams and hopes was everywhere. The ideas, the thoughts that had carried with men for three years that there would be a new day dashed. Death was so thick, disappointment so heavy, there wasn't much that these men could do. There were these women who had wept. And they had tasted despair at its deepest point. For they truly believed all was going to be different. The scene that had to cover the city of Jerusalem that Saturday had to be a dismal one. Fear had to rush through the hearts and the minds of the disciples through through the, the women and the men and probably even the children. Fear of, am I next? Will this Roman government come and get me? Am I the next one to be put on the cross? Fear, dread. But I'm so thankful that the story does not end on Saturday but actually begins on Sunday morning. On that resurrection day is when it truly began. You know, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 17, you'll see this encounter with Jesus and His disciples. This was soon before He would go to the cross. And Jesus asks them a simple question. Who do men say that I am? What are people saying who I might be? And it boiled down to, what do you say? Who do you say that I am? In which Peter replied, and he said, Why, well, you're the Son of God, you're the Messiah. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Spirit. Today I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you a truth about Christ. Maybe you've been having a lot of questions, a lot of thoughts about Jesus. Maybe you have some people in your life that have a lot of thoughts or questions about this man named Jesus. Well, today we're going to come and see if we cannot find some biblical answers. The Apostle Paul, as he was on the road to Damascus, he still was not a believer of Christ. In fact, he was trying to destroy the witness of Christ. When Jesus shown himself 
before him, he asked the question, Who art thou, Lord? Who are you, Lord? He said, It is I, it's Jesus, the one you've been persecuting. So the question needs to be asked, Who is Jesus? Now, many of us, have accepted Christ into our life. Many of us are believers. Many of us are followers of Christ. Many of us worship Him. We give our life to Him. We serve Him. And we need to ask, ask this question, Who is Jesus? Because I think many of us have lost the answer. We've allowed things to get in the way. And for some, there is this idea that you're not sure about Him. You've heard the stories, today is Easter. Yeah, this is a faith thing that you normally do. But you still are not sure. So let's ask the question, who is Jesus? Well, let's look in chapter 27 today. And here is what is going on. Jesus has been arrested in the garden. He has been uh, betrayed by Judas. He has been arrested. He has been put on trial all night long on Thursday. He has gone from Caiaphas to Ananias and he has gone back and forth. He's been beaten and called names. He now finds himself with Pilate the governor, the one who can pronounce the sentence of death. The religious leaders have brought Jesus to him and he has, he has questioned Jesus. He has sent him on to King Herod thinking that maybe Herod can handle this situation. And Herod has sent him back to Pilate and now Pilate is standing there and he has this great quandary about him that we're talking about today. Look in verse 11 for me. For me. Now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor Question him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Tell me, Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. The words of Jesus confirms this idea that he is king. The question is, is he king? Is he king or is he not? A king is a ruler. A king is someone who has authority. A king is someone who can pronounce something and the servants follow. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, they cried out for a king. They wanted to be like everybody else. They wanted to be like their neighbors, so they wanted a king really bad. And so they got a king. And now here, they have another king. And the pilot is asking, are you the king of the Jews? Charles Spurgeon said, our Lord's claim to be a king should be acknowledged one day by all mankind. I'm reminded of the scripture in Philippians that says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It may be too late, but every single person will acknowledge and understand that Jesus is King and Jesus is Lord. So the question we must ask is, is He King? It's right here in this scripture. Over Jesus' head. You know what they put over His head? They put a sign that said, King of the Jews. 
Why did Pilate do that? Because Jesus confessed it right here. It is as you say. He is the King of the Jews. Here's what I think is beautiful. The Jewish leaders could not take that off. It was put there by the Roman authority, the very ones who would, who would drive the nails in his hands, who would beat him with the whip. The ones that would be there to see that he died are the ones that put over his head King of the Jews and all the Jewish people and all the religious leaders had to sit there and look at it. They were appalled. But can I tell you something? What condemned Jesus that day was actually his declaration of who he truly was. Jesus was the King. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you know what's beautiful? Check this out, Danielle. You're going to like this. The King of the Jews was not just written in Hebrew. It was written in Greek. It was written in Latin. It was written in languages so that everybody could read it because there's a declaration. He's King of the Jews for every language, for every person, no matter where they are or where they come from. And upon His head, they placed a crown. To declare him a king. A king that's not like most kings. A king that would be different. A king that would not wear the gold and the silver, but a king that would wear a sacrifice for you and I. A king that would say, I'm not beneath you. I'll come down there and be with you so that you can be with me. A crown of thorns sat upon Jesus' head to to make sure people understood he was the king of the Jews. The sign, the crown, the declaration. What is another question that we need to ask today? Who is he? Is he a king? Is he the, the king? Is he king? Or could it be, is he Messiah? Is he this one? That's been written about and prophesied about. Who's been in scripture for so long. Is he Messiah? Well let's look here. Uh, I'm going to begin in, in chapter 26 verse 63. There is a declaration here. 26, 63. But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him. I adjure you by the living God. That you tell us whether you are the Christ. The word Christ in Greek is, the, is, is the also translated Messiah. Messiah is what? The Jews were looking for. He was going to be their Savior. He was going to be the one who would come in on white horses and do amazing and great things. He would be the one that would free them from the Roman oppression. He was the Messiah. And so they ask Him. The priest does. Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Is He Messiah? They asked the question. Verse 63, But Jesus kept silent. But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it. Yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. For hundreds of years, they had been looking for this person, this Messiah that would be coming in the clouds, doing great and marvelous things. 
But instead, they're looking at a man that they had beaten and pulled his beard out. A man that was from Nazareth. What any good thing comes from Nazareth? Are you the Messiah? Jesus said, you have said it, and it is so. The one to set them free from oppression would be the Messiah. And yet they were oppressing the very one who would bring freedom from sin, freedom from death, freedom from hell, freedom from the grave. And yes, yet they would oppress Him. Listen to what Max Licato said here. This is beautiful. Jesus did not fit the concept of a Messiah. He had the wrong background, the wrong pedigree, the wrong hometown. No Messiah would come from Nazareth. He did not fit the Jews' notion of Messiah. So rather than change their notion, they just dismissed Him. They expected lights and kings and chariots from heaven. They got sandals, sermons, and a Galilean accent. And so they missed Him. And so can we. Even as born-again believers, we can miss the Messiah. Because we get so caught up and enraptured in other things, we forget who He truly is. Jesus is King and Jesus is the Messiah. These are two critical questions. But jump with me to chapter 27, verse 17. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the good man? That is not what my Bible says. I'm curious. I imagine your Bible probably uses the word Christ or Messiah there. Because that is is the nomenclature. That is another name. That was an identity, a character attached to who Jesus is. Jesus Is he king? Is he Messiah? Pilate is asking these questions. And so should we. Because if he is, we must do something about it. We have to do something about it. So is he king? Is he Messiah? Third question. Is he divine? Is He God? Is He God in the flesh? Is He? Chapter 26, verse 63 and 64. Let's look at that again. But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And look what Jesus said. You have said it yourself. You answered your own question with a question. Yes, Jesus says. So for those who say Jesus never claimed to be God, listen to what He said. You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. If that's not God, I don't know who is. I know that's not something I'm going to be able to say that I'll do. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
It goes on to proclaim in John 1 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word that was God and was with God was Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus is divine. But the question is, is He? The devil in Matthew chapter 4, we began this whole series about simply following Jesus. One of the sermons was about the temptation of Christ in Matthew chapter 4. Maybe some of you remember what he said to Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 verse 3, the devil says to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. The whole point of what the devil was doing was trying to get him off of the throne of being God. To let him absolutely have to admit, I can't do this. I got to take up that mantle of, of, of being God. I, I have to be the one who has to invoke all the angels to accomplish what I'm saying that needs to be accomplished. But Jesus, knowing who he was, said, No, Satan. And the devil wasn't through. You can read in Matthew chapter 4, uh, in verse 5, he says it again. If you are the Son of God, then throw yourself off of this high pinnacle. And the angels will be uh, in your charge will take care of you. The devil again was saying, if you are the Son of God. And the devil would only ask and try to plant the ideas of doubt if it was true. If you are the Son of God. Is he divine you can look later in Matthew chapter 8 verse 29 when Jesus is approaching a man who has been possessed with demons the demons themselves say what business do we have with each other son of God I am here to declare to you today Jesus is not just a good man Jesus is not just something that a religion is based on Jesus Christ is the son of the living God he is alive and well he has risen from the dead he is divine he is king and he is the Messiah but it's okay to ask all three of those questions here's something that I find very interesting that I got sent to me about Napoleon Bonaparte Absolutely fascinating. Here's a man who was not known for being religious. A man who has been known for his conquests. He took over the French government. But here is what he said about Jesus. I have found, an em I have found it an empire by force and it has melted away. Jesus Christ established his kingdom by love. And it stands to this day and will stand. He went on to say, From the first day to the last, He is the same, majestic and simple, infinitely firm, infinitely gentle. He proposes to our faith a series of mysteries and commands authority that we should believe them, giving no other uh, reason than those tremendous words, I am God. So here's the question today. Is He King? Is He Messiah? Is He God? Now for those who do not know Christ, obviously, you've had these questions and you've asked them. Is this real? And you've looked at people to try to figure out, is it real? Is this thing that Jesus does to people's life, is it real? Does it make a difference? Does it change things? 
Let me tell you, Jesus changes us from the inside. He don't make us perfect immediately, but He does a great work. See, is He king? There is a crown of thorns placed upon His head. Is He Messiah? There was the blood. The blood that He shed for us that we celebrated this morning in our our morning service. The blood of the juice that was poured out for the remission of sins. That juice that He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. And when He said it is poured out, He meant it was truly poured out for us as the Messiah. And then the the God of heaven, as it says in John chapter 1, John, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus said, this is my body that is broken for you. Jesus is King, Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus is divine. He's not simply a great teacher. Some would say that he's a madman or a revolutionary. Some may call him a religious fanatic. Or maybe even a lunatic. Some even claim he's a myth. But there's too much evidence in the Bible and outside of Scripture to say that he's a myth. So we come to the greatest question ever to be asked that we must answer. The greatest question we are to answer is found from the lips of Pilate himself. After he is there with Jesus, Pilate is is hoping to try to find a way to get out of this. And so it is a custom that they release a prisoner They release a prisoner to them. And so he decided, I'm going to get this really, really bad dude. And then I'm going to get this Jesus guy. Pilate was not a lover of Jews. But he seemed to, in some way, understand the man was innocent. He understood that Jesus was different. And as he's there before the people, his wife sends him a message. Let me tell you something. All of us who are married, Nathan, let me tell you, it's important that we listen to our wives. The wife comes to Pilate and sends him a message and says, I've suffered all night because of this man named Jesus. And so the chief priests began to persuade the crowds to be against Jesus. And in verse 22 is the greatest question that mankind can ask and answer. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? See, the people began to holler, Crucify! Crucify! Crucify Him! Kill Him! Get rid of him. We don't want him no more. He interferes with our life too much. And Pilate asked a question we must all ask. Whether we know Christ or we don't, what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? 
Jesus is not to be an add-on to your day. He is not simply to be something you stick in whenever you've got time. Jesus is either King, He is either Messiah, He is either God, or He's nothing. Jesus has to be the sinner. But here's the good news. The resurrection changed everything. Everything changed because of the resurrection. See, that Saturday, as they sat, thinking of death, fearing tomorrow, not sure of what's going to happen, something was about to happen that would change their life forever. When we look at Scripture, we cannot back away from the belief that Jesus rose from the dead because you have a bunch of men and women who were were hid up into rooms with locked doors who were afraid to say anything or even be identified with Jesus because they were afraid they would be next. And then all of a sudden, we see in Acts, they're out proclaiming the Word of God, saying Jesus is alive and you need to accept Him. Even in the face of death, what changed them? The reality and the truth that they saw a risen Savior of Jesus Christ walking around in the flesh. The Word says that He appeared at one time to over 500 people at one time. Jesus was physically seen. He was physically raised from the dead. He wasn't a premonition. He wasn't a ghost. It was His bodily resurrection from the grave that came up to bring, bring victory to us. Oh, victory in Jesus. That's what we have through Him. I'm getting excited. We have evidence because of eyewitness accounts, because of of the empty tomb that they could look into, because of the change that happened in the disciples and the reality of the salvation that's happened within our own soul, that God would take someone so wretched and vile and turn them into a missionary, to turn them into a witness, someone who cares about people, Once we believe the tomb is empty, we must answer the great question. Pilate asked, then what must I do with Jesus who is called Christ? What shall I do? Is He King? Is He Messiah? Is He God in the flesh? What shall I do? Jesus made the first choice. Jesus made the first choice to leave heaven and to come to earth. And as we try to apply this to our life and answer the question, what shall I do with this? Now, how do I approach this? We must understand that His first move was love and death and sacrifice for you and I because we deserve death. But He came and died out of love. The second move is upon us. We receive Him and ask Him to be our Lord and Savior to take over our life. But we also have to say, You're king, Jesus. You are Lord of my life. Whatever you say, I must do. Whatever your word directs me, that's what I must follow. It's not about being popular. Because if you want to be a Christian, don't expect to be popular. It's not very very appealing, is it? The word of God does not... Promise us a rose garden if we accept Jesus. What it does promise us is hope in the midst of a thorn bush. 
What must we do? What shall I do? Keep this in mind, Larry, you're going to like this. If Jesus had not made his first choice to come from heaven to earth, we would not have a choice. There wouldn't be a choice. There wouldn't be a second option. Because Jesus did what he did, we have a choice today. So number one, I want you to write this down. This is personal. Will I crucify him? Will I crucify him? Now, you may say, well, now, Pastor Clyde, I belong to Jesus Christ. I would never crucify Jesus. Listen to all these religious people. Verse 22, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And He said, Why? What evil has He done? But they kept shouting all the louder, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Let me tell you how that translates to the day. Let's just get Jesus out of everything. Let's just crucify Him. Let's just get rid of Him. Let's just push Him away. Let's not have to deal with Jesus no more. Let's remove Him from the scene. I got too much stuff in my life. You know what? I think we don't want to deal with sin because we love sin too much. So because we don't want to deal with sin and we love sin too much, we want Jesus to just go away and be over yonder somewhere. Don't let him be king in my life. No. That means that I can't compromise and lie and cheat and do things. That's contrary to the Bible. I know I do wrong things. I don't need Jesus in my life to tell me I'm doing more wrong things. Jesus wants to be in your life to forgive you of those things and to make you a new person. So you don't live like that. But we have a choice. Will we crucify Jesus again. Second thing is this. Will I just walk away? Will I walk away? I'm not going to do anything to get rid of Jesus. I'm not going to do anything to push Jesus away, but I'm just not going to have anything to really make Him important. I'm going to let other things be important. I'm not going to work against Him. But he's not going to be important in my life. Look at Pilate. Look at what he did in verse 24. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. Pilate just simply said, I'm walking away from the whole thing. I'm, I'm not going to fight against it anymore. I'm not going to try to persuade you. I'm just going to live my life. I'm just going to walk away. Just let Jesus be over there for all the Jesus people. Just let Jesus be something that I'll get on Easter or Christmas or maybe a Sunday here or there. But I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to do my thing. Just walk away from Jesus. Third option is this. Not only will I crucify Him or will I walk away, third one is will I embrace Him? Will I embrace Him? One of the Roman centurions, as he witnessed what Jesus went through in the beatings, 
in the scourgings, in the cross, being nailed to a cross, and the interactions between him and the other prisoners. If you just flip over to verse 54, obviously Jesus had made a difference. This man knew something was different. Now the centurion and those who were with him, keeping guard over Jesus when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, Truly this was the Son of God or a Son of God. He realized there's something special. This is not a normal human. So the question becomes, with all the evidence, with all the stuff that has gone on in this world and the craziness we're in the middle of, what is it that you are asking? Hopefully it's this question. What shall I do with Jesus in the midst of COVID-19? In, in the midst of my life? In the midst of all the craziness that's happening? What shall I do with Jesus? This question is for you if you've never accepted Him or you've been a Christian for 50 years. What shall I do with Jesus? Is He going to remain on the coffee table? on the shelf in a room, in a building called a church, or is He going to really be king in my life? Is He going to be the Savior in my life? Is He going to truly be God and be the place I put my hope? What shall you do with Jesus who is called the Christ? You can pick the truth apart about Jesus. You can scrutinize it. You can unpack it. You can run it through the ringer. And I really hope you do. But Jesus doesn't need a defender to prove that He is, that he is King and Lord. And that He is Messiah and Savior. And that He is God. Because that's who He is. It's a question for you today. Who do you say that he is? C.S. Lewis, John. I'm going to do, do me some C.S. Lewis here and, and, and his mere Christianity. You probably knew I was going here because you've read the book. C.S. Lewis said, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something else. Or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord. And call him Savior. And call him God. And I declare today this is the time that you need to do that. Gina, would you come? And would you just begin to play? It is time for decisions, ladies and gentlemen. It is time that we decide who is Jesus. And then the greatest question, what shall I do with this Jesus who is called the Christ? This is for you who has been saved and those who have not. Those who know Jesus and who follow after Him and those who have questions. You have to answer the question. You have to answer, what will I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Will I crucify Him and just try to destroy Him? Will I just walk away and ignore Him?
And will I embrace Him today? Will I stop running? Will I stop searching and just say, I don't fully understand it, but you've got to be Lord. You've got to be Jesus. You've got to be God. Because if you're not, Jesus must be a lunatic. And I got news for you, ladies and gentlemen. You can call your pastor a lunatic all you want. I would rather be a lunatic and follow Jesus than be declared the smartest man in the world and not follow Him. Because that would prove me to be a fool. For Jesus, the evidence is there. For you today, what will you do with this man called Jesus? This morning, maybe you've been born again a long time and Jesus has just been something you've thrown on. You've let the lake, you've let your job, you've let your family, you've let the TV, you've let your work, you've let everything else in this world get in the way of Jesus and putting Him first. Can I declare to you today, answer the question, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ from this moment on? And let it be, He will be King, He will be Messiah, and He will be God in my life. And if you don't know Jesus, maybe you're at that place and you're going, you know, I just need to do it. I just need to make this step. Would you just raise your hand right now? You can push it on the screen. You can do it in your living room, wherever you are. You can raise your hand and say, I want Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Let me have Jesus. Today's the day. Not one of us is promised to wake up tomorrow. Somebody needs to answer this question today. What will you do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Will you accept Him today into your life to be your Lord and Savior and your God? Or are you going to crucify Him, reject Him, or embrace Him? What are you going to do for the Christian? What are you going to do with Him? Will you bow your heads right now? Father, for the one who does not have a relationship with You, who feels far away from You, who feels that at this very moment that if something happened and they died, then they stood before You and You asked the question, what did You do with Jesus who is called Christ? They would say, I never decided. I wasn't sure. Lord, may right now, may they declare You to be Lord and Savior. So right now, if you've never received Jesus Christ, you, you're not a follower of His. If you have not begun that relationship with Him, right now, with your head bowed, God, He is right there with you. Cry out to Him and ask Him to forgive you and to take over your life. Right now, so that when you stand before God, you can say, I answered that question and I said yes. What shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? I've said yes, that He's King. Yes, that He's Messiah. Yes, that He's Lord. Yes, that He is God. So right now, would you, could you please ask Jesus to forgive you and take over your life? You can 
say it by yourself or just repeat after me right now. Dear, dear Father, forgive me of my sins and take over my life. I believe Jesus is King. I believe Jesus is Messiah. And I believe Jesus is God. If you've said that prayer right now, then you have been radically changed by the Holy Spirit from within. Grab hold of who you are in Christ. Let us know. Right now, let us know. There are ways that are on the, we're going to put on the screen for you to let us know that you can call us, you can text us, you can fill out a form. You can do it right there on the platform. Just right now, let us know that you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's time for you to be baptized if, that, if that's happened. Now for those of you who are born again believers, Jesus has just been second place. Now's the time to just declare, Jesus, I want you to be King. I want you to be Savior. I want you to be God in my life. I rededicate my life to you and everything about it. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the work of the resurrection and of Jesus Christ and the difference he makes, not just simply in the room that I'm in, but across this entire region into other states. Whoever watches or listens to this message, that God, your Holy Spirit ministers to them, changes them, and radically transforms them into a child of God. Lord, your word says that we are made a brand new creation. May that happen right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. This week, if you'd like a seven-day challenge, here's my challenge to you this week. Share your testimony of who God is, who Jesus Christ is, not just God, but share your testimony of who Jesus Christ is in your life with someone this week. Put it on Facebook. Call somebody up and just tell them a little bit about Jesus. Today is Easter. Tell somebody who Jesus is in your life. Make it apparent. Make it real. There's your challenge. Do that. Share Jesus, your testimony with someone this week.